This is CPX number 69, The Precept for Holy Communion. We are in CPX page 76 to 78, question and answer number 44 to 55. God give you his peace and omni patris affiliate spiritu santi, amen. Heavenly King, Consoler Spirit, Spirit of truth who art present everywhere and filling all things, treasure of all good and source of all life, come dwell in us, cleanse us and save us, you who are all good, amen. In nomine Patris Affiliate, Spiritus Santi, Amen. Hello, my name is Father David Nix. This is the Padre Peregrino podcast and YouTube channel. As most of you know, CPX stands for Catechism of Pope St. Pius X. This is my catechism series, and VLX is my patristic Bible study, as most of you know. Now, CPX today, unlike usual, it's just me reading the catechism without a commentary to follow because it's pretty straightforward today. However, after that, I have eight important things to talk about, eight important things to talk about on catechesis and evangelization that I really hope you listen to because it pertains to this series. Let's start with the catechism, number 44 on page 76. In what does the thanksgiving after communion consist? Answer, thanksgiving after communion consists in keeping ourselves recollected in order to honor the Lord who is within us, renewing our acts of faith, of hope, of charity, of adoration, of thanksgiving, of offerings and of requests, especially for those graces which are most necessary for ourselves and for those for whom we are bound to pray. Number 45, what should we do during the day on which we have received communion? Answer, during the day on which we have received communion, we should remain as recollected as possible, occupy ourselves in works of piety, and discharge the duties of our state with greater diligence. Number 46, how long does Jesus Christ abide within us after Holy Communion? Answer, after Holy Communion, Jesus Christ abides within us by his grace as long as we commit no mortal sin, and he abides within us by his real presence until the sacramental species are consumed. Number 47, how should we act while receiving Holy Communion? Answer, in the act of receiving Holy Communion, we should be kneeling hold our heads slightly raised, our eyes modest and fixed on the sacred host, our mouth sufficiently open, and the tongue slightly out over the lips. Number 48. How should the communion cloth be held? Answer. The communion cloth should be held in such a way as to receive the sacred host in case it should fall. Number 49. When should the sacred host be swallowed? Answer, we should try to swallow the sacred host as soon as possible, and we should avoid spitting for some time. Number 50, if the sacred host should cling to the palate, what should be done? Answer, if the sacred host should cling to the palate, it should be removed with the tongue, but never with the finger. Number 51, when are we bound to receive communion? Answer, we are bound to go to communion once a year at Easter, each one in his own parish, and also when in danger of death. Number 52, at what age does the precept of Paschal Communion begin to bind? Answer, the precept of Paschal Communion begins to bind as soon as a child is capable of receiving the requisite dispositions. Number 53, do they sin who are old enough to receive communion and do not? Answer, they who are old enough to receive communion and do not, either because they are unwilling or because through their own fault they are not instructed, undoubtedly sin. 
Their parents or guardians also sin if the delay of communion is owing to their fault, and they shall have to render a strict account to God for it. Number 54. Is it a good and useful thing to go often to communion? Answer. It is an excellent thing to go to communion often, and even daily, in accordance with the desire of the church, provided we do so with the requisite dispositions. Number 55. How often may we go to Holy Communion? Answer. We may go to Holy Communion as often as we are advised to do so by a pious and learned confessor. Thus are the words of the Holy Pope. Okay, so I just got done saying I'm not going to make a commentary. Looking over these questions last night, that was my conclusion. But reading them to you just now, I came to the conclusion I should give a little commentary on 48 and 51. 48 was, how should the communion cloth be held? Answer, the communion cloth should be held in such a way as to receive the sacred host in case it should fall. Okay, so in English, we use the word patent for two different things. The first patent is where the sacrificial host goes for the priest at Mass. But then we also have that long thing with the handle you may have seen at the Latin Mass, Sometimes at the masses in English or Spanish, what we call the Novus Ordo. That is also called a patent. The long handle thing that the altar server holds under your chin uh, is also a patent. But back when Pope St. Pius X wrote this about 120 years ago, they also had a big cloth that could be put under the chin. I think they still do that in Italy where he wrote this catechism. They certainly do that in the Eastern churches, the Byzantine churches. And I've even seen it like where I've lived in Mexico and stuff. So what he's talking about in 48, the communion cloth, they had a big sheet that would go under the chin of everyone receiving communion, and that was supposed to catch anything. We've since transitioned, as much as I dislike that word for liturgical progression, uh, to a patent with the handle under it. But again, there's certain places, the Byzantine churches, as well as places like Mexico, maybe still Italy, that has this communion cloth. And then number 51, when are we bound to receive communion? We are bound to go to communion once a year at Easter, each one in his own parish, and also when in danger of death. We've talked about before how, you know, St. John Chrysostom, as I mentioned in the last CPX, talks about these desert monks only went to communion once or twice a year. And then after that, through the Middle Ages, people got so fearful, the church had to make a precept to say, you have to go to communion once a year. Well, after that, um, Pope St. Pius X started to encourage people who are in sanctifying grace to go to communion more frequently than just once a year. I totally support that. I really think people, if you're in sanctifying grace, should start to go a lot more frequently to Holy Communion than just once a year. Probably every week if you're in sanctifying grace is what I would suggest. Um, however, the pendulum has gone so far to the other side of where it was in the Middle Ages. Again, in the Middle Ages, they had to remind people, you have to go to communion once. Now, the pendulum is so far to the other side that there's people that brag about receiving Holy Communion 365 days a year, uh, but make little Thanksgiving after Mass, little preparation, no mental prayer or fasting on top of that. And that's not really a good approach to our Lord either. Um, so, again, notice that there is a commensurate call in the two precepts of the Church. You have to go to confession once a year and communion once a year. Is it a good idea in 2021 to only go to each of those once? I would say no. The church is setting the bare minimum through the Middle Ages. Nowadays, if you want to be saved, you got to go a lot more, I think, to both um, confession and communion. But the thing I wanted to point out in number 51 was that he says that each one should go to communion in his own parish. 
Pope St. Pius X wrote this 120 years ago before there was all this problem of conservatives going all the way across the whole diocese to their conservative parish, liberals going all the way across their diocese to their most liberal parish. Um, we are a little bit in different times for that, and that's where I think there's some exception to this because obviously Pope St. Pius X would be the very first person to say, if you hear preaching that puts your family in danger, you can certainly avoid such a parish. But 120 years ago when he wrote this, you heard St. Thomas Aquinas from every single pulpit. You heard Gregorian chant from every single choir. So back then when you heard the same type of sermons and it was the same form of worship, then of course he's going to say, go to your own parish. But I think if Pope St. Pius X were alive today, he'd be the very first person to give some leeway to that precisely because of the crisis that we're in in the church on doctrine, catechesis, and liturgy. Okay, so now as I said, there's eight things I want to make a comment on, and the first one's long, the other ones are short. So on a recent CPX, this is the first thing I want to talk about of the eight, on a recent CPX on the Eucharist, I said that during the ascension, Jesus' body left the earth entirely intact, and that that same body is in space, fully intact, of course still alive with eyes, beard, hands with holes in them, chest with a hole in it, feet with holes in them, and that that same resurrected body is still in every tabernacle as the Eucharist. Okay, I was correct about all of that, but Dr. Taylor Marshall pointed out to me that I was not specific about something in there that I had to be more specific on. Uh, and here's what it was. That, you know, Jesus' body is still out there, united to his soul and divinity, and also in all the tabernacles of the world. And where is his body after the ascension, as we talk about it, intact with his hands, beard, eyes, earlobes. That is way beyond our atmosphere and space. I was correct about that. But I wasn't specific enough about where in outer space. Don't worry, I'm not going to give you a geolocation. But St. Thomas Aquinas teaches that there are three places meaning space. The first is still within our atmosphere. The next is outer space. And the third, catch this, the third is beyond outer space called the Empyrean Heaven. Very cool word, Empyrean. Well, that is where Christ's soul and body is, the Empyrean heaven beyond outer space. And that's also where the soul and body of Mary is and presumably the souls of the saints. Now, people might laugh at this idea that there's something beyond outer space, but even astrophysicists agree that there is a limit to outer space. It's about 93 billion light years in diameter. That means traveling at the speed of light, it would take you 93 billion years to go from one end of the physical universe to the other if you were in a rocket ship that could go the speed of light. It'd still take you 93 billion years. Um, so even if most scientists out there would scoff at the idea of an Empyrean heaven beyond the 93 billion light years across the universe, there is still a limit to outer space, say most scientists. Uh, okay, is there anybody in the other areas of space, any other saints? This part might shock you even more. There are two important people from the Old Testament who are apparently not buried on earth, nor in the Empyrean heaven with Jesus and Mary, but alive in the atmospheric space. I'm sure I'm losing some listeners at this point, but this is what the church has taught the, the fathers and the doctors, so keep listening. Um, this atmospheric space, I'm not sure if that's outer space or closer, but I am going to give you the church fathers here. Let's start with the Bible. Apocalypse chapter 11, St. John writes of his own experience where he sees two prophets who will preach at the end of time. He writes, Then I was given a measuring rod like a staff, and I was told, 
Rise and measure the temple of God and the altar and those who worship there, but do not measure the court outside the temple. Leave that out. For it is given over to the nations, and they will trample the holy city for 42 months. And I will grant authority to my two witnesses, and they will prophesy for 1,260 days, clothed in sackcloth. These are the two olive trees and the two lampstands that stand before the Lord of the earth. End quote. So, who are these two that St. John talks about in Apocalypse chapter 11? St. Augustine said that St. John was talking about Enoch and Elijah. And remember, Elijah is also pronounced Elias. Uh, Dr. Taylor Marshall writes on his blog, which I will link in my show notes, quote, Enoch and Elijah are the two Old Testament saints who were assumed into heaven prior to death. Neither of them died. Their future death will be a martyrdom under the hand of the Antichrist, end quote. So notice right there, Enoch and Elijah never died, but went up to heaven. But here's the surprising thing. They are not in the same heaven as Jesus and Mary. So says St. Thomas Aquinas in the third part, question 49 of the Summa Theologiae, in this quote, which I admit leads to more questions than answers, but I'll finish part one with this direct quote since it delineates the different heavens a bit. From St. Thomas Aquinas again, third part, question 49 of the Summa Theologiae, quote, Elias, or Elijah, was taken up into the atmospheric heaven, but not into the Empyrean heaven, which is the abode of the saints. And likewise, Enoch was translated into the earthly paradise, where he is believed to live with Elias until the coming of the Antichrist, end quote. Okay, the second of eight things, these next ones get shorter, is that we are possibly going to start seeing ads on YouTube. That's not my decision. They told us that they might start adding ads uh, with or without our will. I am trying to keep this ad free because there's a lot of immodest ones that pull up. But if they add them, you might see them. Do realize that all of my stuff is backed up on a website called BitChute, B-I-T-C-H-U-T-E dot com. Just Google BitChute and Padre Peregrino, and it should pull up all of these videos. So if I get booted or whatever, you can still find me. Okay, number three of eight, show notes. You might have heard me say a little bit earlier, show notes. And what I'm going to start doing is when I reference things that you guys might want to see, you can find my show notes in one of three places. Either one, my blog, or two, the podcast description, like on Apple Podcasts or whatever you use on Android, and three, on YouTube. But the only place I can guarantee that hyperlinks show up as show notes is my blog itself. So if you're really interested in something I say, go to www.padreperegrino.org and then go to talks on the pull down or the choices up at the top. And then in the search bar, you could also put say the number of whatever CPX, CPX 33 or CPX 65 or whatever. And then you can find anything that I have labeled audio wise in the talk, in the in the show as show notes. So then you can see the links. And actually, I'm going to have four links for you uh, today. Um, number four of my announcements today. Today is the last catechism series on the Eucharist. And then next week, we begin the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. Now, here's the thing. You got to realize that there's a lot of modern Catholics who talk about the true presence of Christ in the Eucharist, which is great. But there's a problem when they don't link it to the sacrifice of the Mass. You see, the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass is the entire source of why we have the true presence of Christ. So before 1950, you would have heard no saints talk about their, their love of the true presence of Jesus in the Eucharist without, usually in the same breath, some connection to the fact that this 
is given to us by the holy sacrifice of the Mass. Um, and so we should do a deep dive into that next week. This is what we start next week to see how the apostles and all the saints saw the holy sacrifice of the Mass is what we start on CPX next week. Okay, number five. This is of the eight announcements. This is what I'm most excited to tell you about. I have a friend named Randy Grasso, and him and I are going to do a five-minute video on this YouTube channel called How Do You Get Saved? Apostolic Christianity. So, have you ever wondered how you should be saved? We've covered a little bit of this on VLX and CPX, um, but have you ever wondered what you could give to non-believers or non-Catholics as a five-minute explanation of Catholicism for people who don't know Christ at all, who don't even know anything about the Bible, what would you pass on to others on YouTube? Well, Randy Grasso is a former Protestant, so he knows how to reach unbelievers, but he now goes to Latin Mass. So he really gets evangelization, but he also understands we have to keep modernism out of evangelization. So please pray for this project. We're going to put it up here. It might only have 800 views by the time we're done with it, but... My goal is to ask some of you listeners who are on other parts of the world to either dub it or put subtitles in so we can get this available in a hundred other languages across the globe. You know, there's a lot of Protestant three-minute videos of the explanation of the gospel, but I don't know of any traditional or apostolic Catholic explanation of the gospel to give to total pagans across the globe in their language in a merciful but clear explanation of the gospel. So please pray for this project. Okay, and then six, seven, eight, my last three, they're just requests. Maybe just pick one of these. I realize you guys aren't my little serfs. You don't have to say yes to any of these three, but I would ask you just as a favor, maybe pick one of these three to do. Okay, the first of these three requests. Number six, June is the month of the Sacred Heart. This is the time we should probably be making reparation for all of the sins we see across the globe against the Holy Eucharist. Remember we learned in a past CPX that the Eucharist is the full body of Jesus, but in some sense, it's especially the Sacred Heart of Jesus. As we've seen from all the histiology studies, it's always cardiac muscles. So Jesus really gives us his heart in the Eucharist. This is the month of the Sacred Heart. And we look around the globe at how many sacrileges of the Eucharist are happening. We should make reparation, which means we make up in love for the hatred people are showing Jesus in the Eucharist. And so I'll give you a couple of suggestions for that. One is the litany of the Sacred Heart, to do that every single day of the month, or the beads of the Sacred Heart both of which I'm going to link in the show notes. Please do pray the Litany of the Beads of the Sacred Heart in love and reparation for Eucharistic sacrilege all month, this month of June, which again was traditionally dedicated to the Sacred Heart. Uh, other requests, this is number seven. Number seven, please consider rating this on Apple Podcasts. And number eight, please share this series and VLX with just one other person this month. Please say an Our Father for me at Benedictio Dei Mipotentis. Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti, descendet super vos et maniat semper. Amen.